Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie uh, funnily enough, uh, immediately we have reaction to that uh, final letter that uh, Phil had there about uh, the mum who picked up the young lad from GAA and uh, uh, well, he told her that he was dropped from the panel after four years of commitment and uh, all of that. Listen, says, I've found this quite a lot over the years, Fran. My son, son was encouraged and messaged constantly over the years to turn up for club training and matches uh, from underage. Uh, he was left sitting on the, the sidelines and uh, watching players who hardly ever turned up for training um, making it every single game. On one particular occasion, to our expense he travelled two and a half hours from college to be left on the bench and the club knew that he had to travel he almost knew he wasn't the best player and would have no problem saying that but was very much affected by it and the way he was treated 083 311 Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com and John Lynch is with me in studio and he's disrobing as we speak. <laughs> Just taking off my jacket. It's very warm in here. <laughs> How are you doing, John? I'm good, I'm good. That It's funny that I think everybody has a story about those kind of things, sport and when yeah. you were growing up and all that. Were you always a sporty? No. No? Well, no, I'll tell you, my... You know, I think of that because... Um, no, I wasn't, because I, I went on the fags very early and gave them up then when I went to college. But there was a kind of a potential... I I played football in primary school and was on the team and whatever. Then I came into secondary school and uh, at that stage I was kind of messing with the fags or whatever. And there used to be a shop, a local shop, near the school I won't mention the school and they used to sell, selling single, single fags to you and it was very very oh, well, popular yeah. at the time but um, I went I played in the first year in school and was captain of one of the teams playing of, and went into second year then and got tried out for the football and um now, I, it was at a time now where you wouldn't be wearing contact lenses and things like that. Mm, so mm. I was kind of half blind, really, because when I took off the glasses, I couldn't see. So normally I played in the defence because it was easier, took a bit longer to see the ball. But anyway, and in hurling, I think with the hurling, I was always known to be a dirty player. And I my excuse was that I couldn't see them. But anyway... Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. But I got tried out. Uh, uh, went into sector of Ira, and there was a there was a particular guy involved in the sport, and uh, for whatever reason, he didn't take shine to me, and uh, that was the end of my sporting career because he wouldn't put me on the team. Just because he didn't like you? Uh, just because he didn't like the way I played or whatever. I don't know. Oh. But it, but it was funny. It's like, and 
years later I met a teacher who was an exceptional teacher who would have academically helped me and so there are two examples but yeah so my 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 sporting career if there is such a thing uh, I mean I got I've always been interested in exercise mm. uh, particularly when I gave up the fags because I thought oh, thanks for the God for that to you but yeah. Uh, yeah yeah no but I'm sure uh, everybody has stories like that you know where you're you're there and you know they, they form two groups and you're going to have two teams and you're there praying you won't be the last guy to be picked you know and they pick yeah. all the good guys and, and what about the effect of that then, uh, John? Let me just to be devil's advocate on it. Does it not teach a bit of resilience, and you know that you have to cope with failure, and life will throw up? Yeah, but you're only a kid, yeah. and it's a bit early to be asking somebody who's thirteen or twelve or thirteen, I think, to have that kind of resilience. Mm. I think, and yeah. I think, funny, I heard an interview by the. Uh, coach for the Irish team, the Irish rugby team, and I thought it was really interesting that he was asked the question, you know, how does, how, you know, what's it like to be telling a, a player that they're not going to make the squad? No, of course, it's not that you're going home like that, that incident that we were talking about, um, you know, which seems very poor mm. management to mm. kind of literally, if 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 it is as as it was set out, but um, but yeah, he was he was asked the question, you know, what's it like to tell one really good player that he's not going to make it, another whatever, and basically the import of what he was saying was that obviously you've got to be sensitive to it and you've got to deliver the message in a way that you're not trying to undermine somebody's self-esteem and but it's not easy but at the end of the day they know you're the coach and you've got to make the decision and they they respect that which is an interesting thing but that's you're talking about you know people in their 20s and onwards and and professionals as well so you know and yeah, yeah it, it is a funny thing because, you know, like, I suppose I, was, I might say that I could have skipped 10 years of smoking fags if I was playing football. Mm. And sport is such a, an all-embracing thing for kids as they're growing up because, you know, sport, art, you know, the yeah. kind of the kind of two streams that you can get into, music, art, sport, whatever. And they're, they're hugely beneficial. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I'm just seeing the screen in front of me is, is lighting up with, with uh, various um, experiences of, of this, so I'm sure it's something we will come back to. I know it's sort of, what is it? It's it's uh, a couple of weeks into February. But we're, yes, I am. We're still looking at New well, Year's we, resolutions. You slagged me the first time I said it, and I told you that the, usually we get to April with it, but we've only had one go at it, and I think it's a bit like uh, there's a book that I always try and give anybody who ever joins the firm actually now that I think if somebody joined last year I must give it to them there was a book by a fellow called Ed Bliss he's an American and it was an it was an American who gave it to me I'd say 30 years ago on time management and one of the things that he talks about I did and I, it struck me when we were talking about it the last time that one of the things that he deals with in the book and it's a really small book but I think it was he he wrote it in 1950 in the 50s but it it would still stand up today as far as I'd be concerned but one of the issues that we always have is procrastination Mm. and if ever there's something that procrastination applies to it's a will because for whatever reason people just procrastinated they put it aside oh yeah I'll do it no I don't no yeah I'll do it no I won't and 
I think uh, Ed Bliss's procrastination techniques, one of the ones he talks about, the, which, which always struck on my head, was called the salami technique. What's okay. That? And it's the fact that he's an American, obviously, you'd have to get the Irish equivalent for salami, whatever that is. Luncheon roll. A luncheon roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, not sure. I mean, with the salami, you peel off little bits, you see, and the yes. whole idea of a salami technique is you do it a little by little. And it's like what I was saying to my good wife the other day when I was trying to do a bit of cooking. I decided I'd go back to cooking. You know, we all did it during COVID. And I said to her, and I, I, I told her, I, I actually did some cooking last night. And I said to her, well, I know Wednesday is Valentine's Day, but this is an advance. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that went down extremely well, John, and much appreciated, I would imagine, too. But, so the but, salami effect. But the salami technique is basically, I said to her, well, my first job is to put out all the ingredients because then I don't have to think about what the next step is. So if I start that one, then it's easier to do the next one. That's called the salami technique. Okay. So the first thing you do is lift the phone, ring the solicitor and say, can I have an appointment? And that's that's the first step. So you're not making the will, you're just making the appointment. Mm. So anyway, I, I thought I'd share that one with very, you. Very good. Okay. So procrastination, <laughs> procrastination needs to be dealt with this yeah, okay. year, doesn't it? Okay. So one of the things, one of the things, you no, know, wills has to be dealt with yes. this week. But the other thing about wills and the other thing about the whole area of wills is it's succession planning, mm. effectively. And one of the areas that I, I have reignited my interest in is the whole tax side of it yes. and the whole how important it is and it's funny and as I've often said to you before it's only when you become or get to a certain age whatever that age is and I would argue that it could be any age but when you get to a certain age you start to appreciate the importance of succession planning because if you think about it for a second like and it's fairly there's there's fairly a, a number of fairly straightforward kind of succession planning is that you can do and for example just to give you an example is that every year you can give whoever you like you know a certain amount of money without them having to pay any tax on it mm. so you can give three grand a year to anybody you like could be the next door neighbours not the dog or the cat but could be your next door neighbour's child it could be your next door neighbour it could be your son it could be your grandson your daughter your granddaughter or whatever your nephew nieces or whatever so it's a very fairly straightforward easy tax planning strategy to release money to somebody without there being any tax implications and not only are there no tax implications because the, when I say you also have a thresholds for different types of people that you can give money mm. to. So the, the first thing that you can, and this is another Valentine's one, you can give a gift without any limit to your spouse without attracting any tax. So you can, you can give, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't attract any tax if you transfer it to, the, to your spouse. The second thing is if you want to give it to a child, uh, you know, 335,000 is the threshold. And that's a very logical thing to think about for a second because if you're able to give it 
without any tax implications up to that limit. Well, that mean that means you can do that at any stage, which releases that amount of money without paying tax. And tax, by the way, is no, no small matter. Uh, the tax that you're talking about is is inheritance tax or gift tax, they call it, capital acquisition tax, if you want to give it its posh name. But basically, it's 33% tax. Wow. So it's a fairly That's significant a lot, amount of tax, yeah. particularly if you've paid a lot of tax in your lifetime. You're kind of thinking, right, here we go again. So they take another chunk off you mm. when you're not able to, to argue the toss. But then you've got your brother, sister, nephew, niece, grandchild, 32,500. And your final one, which is the one can often catch people, is the 16,250, which is the last group. So 16,250 is the, is the max that you can give in that particular threshold. And, you know, it's, you can plan your, you can strategize how mm. you release wealth from one generation to another by using the obvious ones but I mean the, the small gift exemption is, which is what that is but the other one is family partnerships or setting up some sort of a structure whereby you move an asset to the next generation and then you trigger at that point in time you trigger the tax so in other words you can, can, you can manage it mm. as opposed to have a situation where you make a you make a will, don't think about any of the implications, and suddenly you're leaving something that somebody's paying thirty three percent of it back in tax uh, because you don't have the relationship that will get the full threshold. So obviously, from a tax point of view, that makes very good sense. And, uh, do, does this advice, because God knows you need mm, advice around mm, this, does mm. that come from a solicitor or does it come from some sort of financial? Uh, a person or well, I mean, well, in in our case, we have it in our office, as in capital taxes are an area the solicitors yes. have a competence in. Uh, accountants have a competence in it. Uh, tax advisors, there are specialist tax advisors who have competence in it. Yeah, it's right. a, yeah, it is an area. And, and what happens, John, when like it's your assets that are worth all mm. of the money, as opposed to you having a whole bunch of cash? cash. Yeah. yeah, cash. Well, if you're well. That's really why it's so important to plan it, because obviously it depends on the asset. Like if it's a liquid asset, like cash, that's an easier one to manage. Yes. But if it's a, f- a fixed asset, as you say, the old one, what is it? Asset rich, cash yeah. poor. Sure, yeah. You know, like so a in lot of farms, I suppose, yeah, will exactly. be in that category. Yeah. Yeah, but and and there are certain exemptions and there are certain reliefs that you have to legislate for when you're doing tax planning, because there's two sides to the equation. There's capital gains tax, because you get hit on both sides. Mm-hmm. You get hit when you transfer the asset. Potentially, I should say, hit probably is a very negative expression to use mm. for tax, is it? But no. anyway, you have to pay, <laughs> you have to pay tax <laughs> on both sides of the equation. So if I release an asset and it has appreciated in value from the date that I bought it and there's an increase, I am liable to tax on that increased amount. Yes. If I give it to somebody free gratis and for nothing or for less than its value, that can carry gift tax and therefore you have to watch the two of them. But an inter- interact- an interesting interaction between capital gains tax, which is the person paying the tax. So let's say I'm doing the will, I'm doing the succession planning and I'm leaving it to son or daughter. 
we won't say which because we'll, they'll have a row but mm-hmm. let's say I, I pick one I'm giving it to my daughter and in that scenario um, you're looking at a situation where I could potentially have to pay gift tax or sorry inherit, uh, sorry cap gains tax mm-hmm. and they might have to pay inheritance tax or gift tax in that situation you can have an offset between what I'm paying as gift tax and what they're paying as inheritance tax you can offset one against the other so therefore you play around with you're transferring your assets that up to their threshold amount that doesn't pay a tax then the next time you transfer you transfer on the basis that there's a CGT offset so I pay a capital gains tax and they can offset that capital gains right. tax against the gift tax so there's but the, the message the message that I'm giving is that and it's 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 an area I you know you know well enough from listening to you over the years there are different areas that I get very interested in mm. this is a really interesting area because no matter how you know, nine times out of ten, you you always have to say to yourself, well, and be aware of the fact that there are implications, and that, and as well as that, of course, your starting point as well, you have got to play, bring into the mix on this is the family, the family dynamics, mm. because obviously, when all is said and done, you might turn around and say, well, okay, you know, so be it. I, I would prefer to just, you know give it to all five of them even though there are tax implications and maybe you know one is more capable of paying the tax and one isn't whatever but you have to take into account the family dynamics and I mean and the other one that that, and again I'm only you're only kind of scratching the surface on this but the other one that's always interesting to look at as well is that if you transfer now at this point in time, you can manage it. Transferring it in the future is not as easy to manage because you're only you're looking into a crystal ball. There could be changes, difference in tax rates, exemptions could be yeah. changed, and all that kind of stuff. But at least you can try and manage it. Even if you have to pay a certain amount of tax, you can still manage it. Now, the thing to be careful about, of course, is that you can't transfer it and pay the tax for them because if you do transfer it and pay the tax for them, you're going to be in a situation... <laughs> that effectively you're making a further gift so you can't have that and the other thing and one thing that's kind of uh, again just one other item that comes to mind when you're talking about the small gift exemption and it came very much into the fore in a recent case before the revenue commissioners now what often happens is not often happens but what what can happen is that you have a tax scenario you think you're entitled to get your benefit and the revenue don't agree with you and if they don't agree with you you have a right of appeal from the local revenue office and you appeal to the commissioners, mm. the appeal commissioners and if you're not happy with them you can go to the court and argue the task in the court. Yes. But there was a very interesting scenario and I thought it was I'm going to say cleverish but one that you certainly would think of and say to yourself and that is like suddenly let's say you suddenly realise or for whatever reason that uh, your grandson is now 17 or your son is now 17 or whatever and you say oh I could have given him three grand a year or six grand if it's a couple so if it's the husband and wife it could have been six I could have given him six grand a year for the last 18 years six grand by 18 you do the sums it's a nice bit of money mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't so what I'll do is I'll I'll kind of do it retrospectively so I'll just 
lodge it all to an account and say, well, look, I was entitled to get given six years for the last number of years, so I'm just putting it all into one account. And yeah, I can see you shaking your head. That's not going to work. Yeah, it don't work like that. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta claim it when it's there, and it's a very, very salutary lesson in when you're doing your tax planning. Don't be delaying the inevitable, uh, which is that if you try and plan it into the future, you could walk into yeah. a change in it. And just a very simple one, for yeah. instance. Say you have fake all money, uh, yeah. but but you have you own yeah. a house yeah. and you have two kids, and yeah. you decide, look, I want to leave it to the two of yeah. them. What what is the best way around something? Well, the threshold will kick in there, unless the house is worth what is it three three, three seven hundred. 700 some odd yeah. you don't have to worry about it right. and there are certain exemptions that you can get for Primston primary but, residents but for instance they'll have to go off and sell it is there any implication then that money's coming in through that fashion if you know what I mean that, that doesn't matter does it no 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 because once they get it what happens is the value crystallises when they get it right. and that determines what exactly they're getting so if the house is over uh, whatever the sum is uh, what is it six six. Six hundred seventy thousand. If it's over six hundred seventy thousand, then it's thirty three percent on the balance with a with a number of deductions that you can take off it. But you're in that situation. But you could have one of the children living in the house, and they might be able to get the exemption. But let's assume that they're not. Let's keep it very simple. If it's over that, now the other thing to remember. One of the things to remember, by the way, is if you're concerned about cash flow to the next generation and, and their ability to be able to pay the tax you can always take out an insurance policy to actually cover the payment of the tax so if you think there's going to be an anticipated tax bill coming down the line for them and they're not going to be able to afford it so let's say you've one of the children that has isn't as well off but mm. you want to give them an asset but you think there's likely to be a you can put, you can take out what what they call a section policy that will deal with it and I think that's important just to bear that in mind but the other the other thing and one that often comes up uh, when people are talking to me is that if you've got a child with special needs somebody who needs to be looked after yes you know, and people say, what's the best way to deal with that? And the second one that people will often ask me, what do I do if I want to look after the grandchildren, but they're underage? Well, those two can be dealt with by ver- by a vehicle called a trust. So you can set up what they call a bear trust for children who are underage. And that bear trust triggers the fact that you can put in your three grand a year because you can't give the child three grand a year, obviously, but you can set up a bear trust that effectively means that you're giving it to them, but somebody's going to hold it for them until they reach age. So that's the way of dealing with that. The other way, when you're talking about children, is you can uh, with special needs, you can set up what they call a discretionary trust, and that discretionary trust carries exemptions from various uh, liabilities and doesn't attract what they call uh, trust tax. Effectively, right. you know, okay. so that can be you can you can set up a discretionary trust to deal with that, Very and good. that's one that's commonly asked. So the other resolutions that we should be uh, we're, at. We're, we're no chance of finishing the other one. The, yeah. the, the other ones will cover. The other ones basically is that you look at your family law, your divorce, two years now, 
and if you if you're a father you should be looking to if you're a father not in wedlock if that's not too old-fashioned a term you you uh, you should be looking to have guardianship of the child that's a relatively straightforward matter to deal with that now at this stage the other mm-hmm. thing then is if you're buying property, you should always think if you're building a house, you should think of a building agreement in case there's a problem. People often don't. They often bring people on site to do the house and they don't have a contract with the builder to make sure that if a problem arises, that they'll be able to action it, be able to deal with it in some way. The other thing, of course, is that if you're buying property with somebody else, you should make absolutely sure that you have a co-ownership agreement with mm. them just in case. The other thing is if you're going into business with somebody and if you're setting up a company, you should have a shareholders agreement. Again, an agreement. If you're getting married, you can always consider a prenup agreement. Not as um, not an easy one when you're going down on one foot or one knee oh, or yeah. otherwise. <laughs> in this case, <laughs> you might be putting your foot in the door by looking for a prenup. But again, often a situation where people want to protect assets that they do prenup um you know partnership agreement if you're going into partnership with with somebody um obviously an enduring power of attorney if you're looking to like that that suite of things you're doing when you're doing succession planning there's your will there's your your tax implications there's your enduring power of attorney in case you lose capacity at some stage in the future uh, there's also all these the new ones which are the co-decision making mm. agreements that you should be looking at as well. Um, F- family law very much your thing. Will you be keeping a very keen eye on this referendum uh, or referendums that's coming up? Uh, yeah yeah very very I funny it passed my and I thought that it might be worthwhile us covering it. Mm. Um, I was just wondering particularly about the durable uh, relationships. Family, yeah, and, relationship, and yeah. It seems now that really at the end of the day we won't know about that until it's challenged to, or in the or, courts. Yeah, so. and the problem the problem often with these things, if I can just, you know, make a, a personal observation, and I think I've said this to you uh, when it came up on the any changes to the constitution. The problem with constitutional changes is that our constitution constitution is interpreted by the courts by the Supreme Court and often when you're looking at a, a constitutional interpretation it's down to do, are other areas you know is it actually covered or not covered in the constitution how does one define you know now let's let's be let's be clear about this the Irish Supreme Court has been very very clear from for for an awful long time now on on the definition of family mm. so much so so the Nicolau judgment which was in the seventies uh, if not earlier that judgment was where the father wasn't uh, didn't have any say whatsoever in the adoption process even though he wanted to uh, but it was literally and that was because he didn't come within the definition of the family so. You know, there'd been definition of the family in terms of, of the marriage. constitution, yeah, in terms of the marriage, okay, yeah, okay. in terms of marriage. Now, under the constitution, they reckoned he didn't have any constitutional standing. Well, so, yeah, but, but have there not been judgments since, John? Oh, there have, yeah, there there have, but not. But it looked at a more kind of a, a broader, a broader interpretation, interpretation a broader in different contexts. They've they've looked at broader interpretations. Yes, but I I think the difficulty with it is that. Um, with, like with so many things, is that you go to fix one thing and you create, and you create another, another yeah. problem. And I think um, I think often 
when we rush this talk about rushing to judgment on something yes. that when you're focused on one particular element of it particularly when it comes to constitutional law it's very really difficult it's like literally yeah. look as you say the ultimate is how will the new terms be 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 interpreted yes. in and, the and does it surprise you that I mean it was Pascal O'Donoghue that I heard say this but does it surprise you that we're talking about an amendment to the constitution and but we're depending on the courts afterwards yeah, after the fact. interpreting it yeah after the is, fact is that unusual or no no it's not unusual it not? no it's not but usually you have it the other way that you in, you introduce legislation yes that is the subject to interpretation but that, in that particular scenario, you can refer the legislation to the Supreme Court before you pass it ah, okay. through the president. Okay, and for that's testing. the problem for testing. It, for yeah. testing. Yeah. And that's the problem is that when you make a constitutional, because it's a, you know, the way the our state is is divided between the executive, you know, the government and yes. the courts yes. and the separation of powers argument, you have to keep them separate, kind of thing. Well, the reason that the legislation is subject to review is for that very reason that the courts are an overseer of the legislation to make sure it complies with the constitution. But when you go in and change the constitution, that is a democratic and uh, it has to be done by referendum. So there isn't any oversight until after the, effect, the fact by the Supreme Court. And That's they are then going to define yeah. and explain what what does the terms what does these terms actually mean? And that's where you have a real real um, interesting scenario because <laughs> will yeah. it be what people think it is when they go into that ballot yes. box and vote for it? And, and that's the that's the thing. That's isn't the question, it, you know. Yeah, All right, question. John. Great to see you as always, and oh, thanks very much. And most interesting as always. Um, that's it for me. Leanne produced. Ali looked after content. Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, bye. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on. You can't beat experience. With over fifty years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.